So I, I've got a question for you. You can put the image up here. I've got a question for you. What is one of your favorite songs? You can shout it out if you're watching online and Facebook, something like that. You want to type it out, go ahead and do that. Notice I didn't say favorite song. I could not put myself in the parameter of a favorite song. But what's one of your favorite songs? Old Red. Old Red? I don't even know what that song is. Now I'm going to have to look that up. Old Red. Oh, yeah. Like Joe. Old Red. So some of you, I see it, that shows you a genre of music I, I don't listen to, I guess. Someone else, another favorite song? American Pie. Now see, that song I know, now it's in my head. This is by Keith Green, yeah. American Pie, I go back to my art teacher in uh, fifth grade, sixth grade, I think because one of the band members or someone, somebody died, and so he played that for like the whole school year. That's why when he said that, it's in my head. Great song, though. Some other songs. I Can Only Imagine. I Can Only Imagine. Okay, another song. Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. In the Air Tonight, Phil Collins. It's in my head. You know, there's a lot of great songs out there. And, and some songs, you know, are they're, they're secular songs. They're the songs that were part of our high school years, you know. And, and sometimes your favorite songs can put you into a generational bracket. Some songs are, are, are songs of faith, you know. Some of them are the modern songs of faith. And some of them, like Amazing Grace, they're, they're an, an ancient song. They've been part of a faith song for generations, and if you go to something like Spotify, and if you've got one of these smart devices, you listen to Spotify, if you know what Spotify is, you know, it can even begin to tell you some of your favorite songs. I'm not going to tell you my favorite song on Spotify for the last few years, because you just think I'm weird. But I'll tell you the second song, which you'll still think I'm weird. There's a song called Fish Heads. And if you know what Fish Heads is, you're just like, okay, that is just weird. By Barnes and Barnes, look it up. You know, it's a weird video. It's just, it just is a great little song. Fish heads, fish heads, roly-poly fish heads. Eat them up, yum. <laughs> it's just one of many of my favorite songs, okay? It's not the only one. You're looking like, oh my goodness, what guy is up there? You know, but, but you know, you think about those songs, and especially if it's a song that really gets into your head, you know, you can even like, you begin to hear those words, you begin to have kind of a groove to it, like this, this image of this boy here, he's got a headset on, he is just like lost in some song. I mean, have you ever just been lost in a song before? Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty cool experience when you get a song and you just kind of get lost in the song. And whether it's a song of faith or a song of friendship or love or celebration, you know, sometimes we just get a song and we just really get lost into it. And it's like, you know, everything else in the world just seems to kind of fade away. Maybe even all of our worries, our doubts, our frustrations fade away as, as this song speaks to us. Well, this morning as we kick off this, you know, third in the series of the Minor Prophets, we start with the prophet Zephaniah. And I, you know, I don't know if you listen to the words that Craig read from that first portion of Zephaniah. I mean, how do those words sound? What did the prophet Zephaniah sound like to you? Doomsday. Doomsday. I think he sounded like this guy here. This guy here who just looks angry and shouting. God's day is coming. In fact, Zephaniah is the prophet who uses the day of the Lord the most. And it's an ominous, dark, distressful day. God has had it up to here with you. 
Kind of like, you know, sometimes you think as parents. I don't know if you ever use that language as a parent or something similar. I've had it up to here. No, up to here. That's it. You're done. Go to your room. And that's, that's kind of the language we're getting here from Zephaniah. Zephaniah is saying, look, God has had it with you. He's given you so many opportunities to change the way that you're living, to change your attitude, to change the way you understand yourself, your relationship with God, your relationship with others, how you treat other people. God just is not going to take it anymore. That's it. And do the people listen? Well, maybe eventually, but you know, there are 12 minor prophets. And many of these minor prophets overlapped. And God continues giving this message to the people. He's calling them, look, change the way you are behaving. Change the way you understand yourself and your relationship with me. You understand who I am as your God. I mean, the, the, the language that is here, I mean, the, this, the day of the Lord is distressful, it's dark, it's gloomy, it's scary. God is going to be like a mighty warrior, it says. You're going to build houses. You're going to plant vineyards. And guess what? You're not going to live in those houses. And you're not going to you know, get the fruit of those vineyards. And of course, what had been happening to the people was that they you know, were not living as God's people. They were living for themselves. They were called to care for one another. They were called to worship God and God alone. And yet they did not care for the poor, the broken, and the needy. They often neglected them. They cheated one another. They stepped on top of one another. They cared only for themselves and their relationship with other nations. You know, as they had, you know, peace agreements. It'd be one thing if they just said, we won't go to war with each other, but they would do this, and then they would, you know, take those gods from those other nations, and they would begin to make them part of their life and their identity and how they interacted with others. They made God just one of many other gods that they could follow. It became kind of a convenient, you know, God-like going and saying, I'm hot, and I want something to drink, and you put, you know, you know, years ago, you could just put like two quarters in. Now, dollar bill, and two quarters. Or you tap it with your credit card. But God became like a vending machine God. You know, we'll go through the rhythms, God, blah, 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 give us this. So God really had had enough. He'd had enough seeing the way that they were treating each other, to see the way that they were treating others. And he said, that's it. It's time. And you know, sometimes as a parent, you know, or as a child, you know, that sometimes you just step back and say, I'm going to let things unfold. And maybe they'll learn their lesson that way. This is the message we have from the prophet Isaiah, well it is from Isaiah too, of Zephaniah. This message of God saying, that's it. Guys, that's it. This is what's going to happen now. You're going to be utterly destroyed and maybe finally dead. I don't know if you think about that for a moment. If you had someone like the prophet Zephaniah up there saying these things to you, would you change the way you were living your life? You might say, yeah, of course I would. If this is guy, prophet, Zephaniah, and if they're saying, that's it, doomsday is coming, change your life, you say, I would change. But the reality is, Zephaniah speaks to us today. Not only to what's going on in the world around us and others, because we like to point to others, but he speaks into our own lives of sin and rebellion and defiance against God. 
And the main teaching of the prophets was two parts. We often think of prophets as always foretelling future things, which they did some of that. One of the main things they did, two components to that, the main thing they did is they proclaimed the law. Now, for those of you who've gone through confirmation class, you know, um, you may remember an acronym from confirmation class, S-O-S. Anyone know what it stands for? S, first S, we think like, like S-O-S. S is shows, second, the O is our, and the second S is sin. Yeah, I heard some of you whisper it. Shows our sin. So the law shows us our sin. So what Zephaniah is doing is saying, look, this is your sin. Look at it. See how really disgusting the sin is because it's the way that you treat each other and the way you understand yourself and God. So yes, there's a lot of law. And the people are going to be carried away into captivity and their city is going to be in ruins. And that's much of the message that Zephaniah has for the people. Calling them to repentance, to change the way they act and live and think. But in the midst of this seemingly angry message, this message of judgment, of doom and gloom, are some of the most beautiful words, I think, in Scripture. In our confirmation class this morning, we asked, you know, some of our favorite words in Scripture. These are some of my favorite words. From the prophet Zephaniah, Zephaniah 3, 17. And let's read these words together. The Lord your God is with you. He is a mighty Savior. He will delight in you with gladness. With his love, he'll calm all your fears. He'll rejoice over you with joyful songs. Just pause for a moment. Just, just think on those words. You know, it's one of the practices, you know, you can have as you, as you read Scripture, you know, in your life. You don't always have to read large portions of the Scripture. It helps, helps to know the context. In the context of Zephaniah speaking these words, was words of judgment, 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 doom and gloom. And then he begins speaking these beautiful words. Because, again, the prophets did. They had this main message. It had two parts. The first was the law, S-O-S, does what? Shows our sin. And the other is the gospel, the good news. That's also an SOS, because that SOS is shows our Savior. The Lord your God is with you. So even as, as through Zephaniah, God is, is proclaiming his judgment, there's the beautiful promise that God is with us. Ultimately, he is with us in Jesus, God with us in the flesh. That he is this mighty savior, this mighty warrior language. The same mighty warrior language of destruction is the mighty warrior who is there to save us. That he will delight in us with gladness. That his love will calm all of our fears. So we have this, this beautiful image of God being a God who is with us. A God who loves us. A God who restores the broken. And that last sentence there. Let's say that last sentence together. He'll rejoice over you with joyful songs. And of all the images we think about with God, I think this is one of the most beautiful images. Let's go to the next slide here. Is the image of God singing over us. You know, as a parent, 
You know, maybe as, as a young child, maybe you, you know that there were songs that your parents, your mom, your dad, your grandma sang over you. I can think growing up, there were songs that my mother sang. And, you know, those are happy, good memories of my mom singing songs over me, singing songs with me. What a beautiful image we have, a beautiful image of God's love and care and presence for us. As God is singing a love song over you. God's love song over us is a song that is spoken over the cracked and bloody lips of the mighty warrior, the mighty Savior, Jesus, who took all the sins upon himself on his beaten and bloody body at the cross. God's love song for you, spoken through that broken voice, the gas for each breath that said, Father, forgive them. They said, it is finished. And the beautiful thing about God's love song is not dependent upon how well we behave. Because, you know, we might look at the people in Zephaniah's time and think, boy, were they a little bit off. They were doing their own thing. We look at our own lives. And the reality is a lot of us probably look at ourselves and think, yeah, God, God has got that angry voice with me. And in part, that's true. When God looks at us and sees our sin, there is that angry voice. But there's also that beautiful song of love. And that song of love drowns out anything else. It drowns out any other voice that we could hear in this world. It's a guarantee. It's a certainty that you, you and I, that every human being that has ever breathed, ever existed, is loved by God. So much so that he sent his one and only son. So if I had to ask you this question again, that we asked at the beginning, I, I hope that if I would ask and I refine that question, I'd say, what is your favorite song? That as you hear these words of Zephaniah, it'd say, it's God's love song that he sings over me. There are so many things that want to drown out that love song. But is it a beautiful song? The creator of the universe sings over you again and again. It's a song that I hope and pray shapes your understanding of who you are, your identity, your relationship with God, and your relationship with all others. That helps you understand your past, your present, and your future that reassures you that you are loved by God. You know, as we talk about growing in Jesus and sharing his love, again, growing in Jesus is not just gaining head knowledge. So you learn some things. You learn SOS shows us our sin. SOS shows us our Savior. You learn that Zephaniah is one of the minor prophets. It's great. And that he had words of judgment against God's people and that he, more than any of the prophets, said, The day of the Lord. What's also amazing is you go through Zephaniah, the day of the Lord is gloomy, 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 gloomy. The day of the Lord is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, in his death and resurrection. The song of love that is sung over us. That as we grow in Jesus, we grow to really believe and know that he loves us, that he loves you. And that that love shapes 
who you are. So a, a challenge, an opportunity for reflection and, and thinking and, and seeing ourselves with the world around us and seeing our relationship with God is here. Spend, this is easy, spend three minutes, three days this week visualizing, imagining, meditating on, reflecting God, singing a love song over you. You can do that however you want. You could just simply sit there quietly and think about it. You could journal. You could read those words of Zephaniah 317. You could find your favorite, you know, hymn like Amazing Grace and just listen to that. You could, you could paint a picture if you're artistic. However you want to do that. Just spend some time and really think about what it means that God, the creator of the universe, is singing a love song over you. That he loves you. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for your amazing grace and love. Lord, there are so many other songs that want to fill our ears, not just the fun songs that we love and dance to and bring memories back into our lives that get stuck in our heads. Love, there's your love song for us. And the worries, the doubts, the fears, the sins sometimes drown out that love song. The devil would love anything more than to drown out that love song. So we pray, Lord, that today especially, and, and Lord, maybe several days this week, we'll spend a little more time just hearing you sing over us. That will imagine what it really feels like to be swooped up into your loving, strong arms. And that whatever fears, worries, whatever sin we're struggling, whatever's going on in our lives, we hear you, our Heavenly Father, lavishing his love upon us, singing his love to us. In Jesus. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.